Welcome to Nothing Ventured with me, Arish Shah. This is the podcast where we explore the people and stories that make up the tech and venture ecosystem. Don't forget to subscribe, like, rate, and share the podcast because it really helps us get the word out to more people who are curious about understanding even more about the world of venture capital. This season of Nothing Ventured is sponsored by Odin. Odin helps angels, VCs, and founders to raise and deploy capital seamlessly. You can structure your SPVs and now run your funds, handle capital calls, portfolio management more smoothly and easily in one place. Founders use Odin to raise their entire round in a few clicks by simply sending investors a link and receiving investments immediately. Odin works with over 5,000 investors and over 150 emerging fund managers and angel syndicates globally. Head to joinodin.com to learn more. That's J-O-I-N-O-D-I-N.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nothing Ventured with me, Arish Shah. Today, I was really excited and geeked out to have with me uh, Julio Martinez. Uh, Julio gave up his dream of becoming a paella chef and instead has launched four fintech products culminating in founding Abacum, an automation tool for FP&A professionals, which has raised over $30 million. Uh, and that he wishes he had built during his 20 plus years in finance. In today's episode, we talk about the CFO stack and especially FPNA. We talk about how uh, Julio and the team at Abacom are building a no-code platform for ETL for finance teams uh, and why finance is the most under-leveraged department in the company and how that is changing. This is a great episode. Let's get straight into it. Hey, and uh, I'm super excited to have with me in the studio today, Julio Martinez. Uh, if you haven't uh, uh, listened to the primer episode, uh, do go and check that out. It'll give you a bit of background about Julio and uh, about Abacom as, as well as some other topics that we got into. But uh, today, Julio, it's great to have you back uh, here, in, not quite in the studio, but you know, on Zoom with me. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on. And hopefully next time I'll be in the studio with you. Uh, you know. I, I think we got to do it for sure. I think there's, I think there's a, a completely separate podcast on non-business related topics that we definitely need to explore. Um, but uh, let's dive straight in, right? So you've been in finance for over 20 years, 20 plus years, and you are building in this space, right? From your perspective, what is the ideal CFO tech stack, right? And we'll explore kind of what I even mean by CFO tech down the track, but what is ideal? So I, ideal for me, and, and we'll get into the specifics, but if you think of the overall objective that you want to accomplish as a finance team, which is you know uh, unleashing this strategic value in the company, right? And really be this right hand of the CEO, be this trusted partner of um, your board of directors, be this engaging stakeholder for the CRO, the CMO, um, CPO, people officer, like, you know, be this trusted partner for all your stakeholders. Really, what you want to do first is get away with all the basics, right? So you want to have your ERP in place, and that's you know accounting software at the beginning, you know QuickBooks, Zero, the classic. Then probably you want to graduate towards a more fully fledged ERP. That's always a, an interesting migration implementation, but this is the net suite. So and ha and happening later and later these days, right? I'm seeing companies quite significant revenue le revenue levels still sitting with uh, with zero, Quick, right? Yes, yeah, so or zero. Yes, yeah, yeah. so QuickBooks is a classic in the US where I'm based, uh, where this 
big companies, right? Are still running, they are still running on, on QuickBooks. And you know, you, these days you, you have a lot of connectivity, you have a lot yeah. of plugins. So they make it last forever, which is a very interesting phenomenon that, that we've seen. Um, but, but definitely NetSuite comes um, later on or Sage Intact or Exact or, you know, sometimes Dynamics or it depends, right? So, but definitely getting your accounting data and all the adjacent stuff that you get into the ERP, that, that's that's very important. I think payroll provider, obviously, that's something, you know, more on the automation side, spend management, uh, you know, accounts payables, accounts receivables, that, that is the classic tech stack where I think of just just get it right, right? And, and it's, it's, not, it's not that simple, right? So it, it requires a technological mindset it requires working with consultants. It requires, you know, so it's not, we, we shouldn't underestimate that. But definitely nobody today is really valuing the finance function because all that is in place. So this is this is the basics. This is the foundation. You want to get it done in a smart way as soon as possible. So, you know, focus on that, build those foundations. Like that's going to take you 12 months, 18 months, maybe worst case scenario. Get that out of the way, automate as much as possible. Something that is sometimes underestimated is, you know, you, how do you get your hands into operational KPIs very fast? Um, because that's not typically the CFO tech stack. Uh, and you need to bring that piece of the puzzle into your equation as soon as possible. So get your hands in here. That, that can be a Looker integration, Tableau integration, a Snowflake, uh, Redshift, BigQuery, whatever, right? So whatever your Salesforce, whatever your um, uh, operational data leaves, but make sure if you want to stay relevant for the business, you need to speak their language. So, you know, get that into place as soon as possible. Then the, the big question is, okay, then what comes afterwards, right? And I think that today's, today's finance teams, like they are leveraging their business data in, in an increasing complex way. So this is, they are not only, you know, becoming you know, from, from consuming data to actually being the data masters, yeah. right? Yeah. And we, we spoke about it before, you know, how do you have finance, having more ownership and accountability for the data tech stack as well, right? Then you're, you're also, you know, the, the new CFOs need tools that allow them to be more strategic and have a bigger contribution into the business not the financials, not the investor report, not the check the check the box kind of thing where, you know, okay, I close the books and then 15th of the month, I show up with some revenue numbers. Guess what? Nobody cares, right? Because, you know, people are looking ARR first day of the month. So how do you stay relevant in that, in that world, right? Um, so moving, moving finance from that, as we spoke before, cost function or back office function to I am a revenue enabler. I'm making and helping my, CFO, uh, my CEO, my board making better decisions. So I think this is where, you know, FP&A usually comes into play. And it, this doesn't mean it's the last puzzle, uh, the last piece in the puzzle. So I wouldn't, you know, by any means, you know, invest in FP&A the latest, but, but definitely FP&A software really enables you or what we do is enabling, enabling companies to have operational KPIs and financials merge at your fingertips. We enable automatic reporting. So imagine management reports uh, with operational KPIs and more reports in one click. And then obviously budgeting, forecasting scenarios, all on the fly, very fast answering those questions. So I think this is really, you know, investing in that technology is really upgrading the game 
of the finance teams we work with. I think, so the way I always looked at it, right? If you think about, if you look, if you look at finance as a sort of pyramid of needs, right? Exactly yeah. as you described, at the, at the very base of the pyramid, you've got what I call the hygiene, right? Which is all the transactional data, right? So that is your zero, that is your payroll, that is your spend management, that is your purchase order. It's like all the stuff that is the business as usual. How do we keep the business going? And I completely agree. Like it is, it is the least valuable but most necessary layer to, to, to get right, right? In the sense that it is least valuable in the sense that it, it doesn't necessarily add uh, strategic value to the business. It doesn't take the business forward, but it can definitely help hold the business back if it isn't kind of properly set up. Because if you're not paying your suppliers, or if you're not collecting your debtors, or if you're not recording your numbers in the right way, then you can't do anything else. You can't do anything strategic, right? If your if your base level isn't isn't taken care of, and then as you move up that sort of stack, uh, I think exactly as I would describe like the FPNA uh, part of that stack as as kind of sitting in the middle, and then the really strategic stuff is actually the human being, right? That's the knowledge part um of of the bit which is you know i i wanted to try and solve with technology i'm not sure uh that 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 was necessarily the best move that uh that i made but i think it is it it may become more doable but that yeah. is potentially like you know using things like llms and generative ai to to start interrogating some of the decision making we're getting closer i think we're getting closer definitely yeah, yeah I, I i think we are i think you know the question is always though how do you how do you ca capture all of my experience, all of your experience, all the experience of everyone, like everyone that has operated and seen and, and been through problems and challenges and overcome them. How do you collate that into a, into a, you know, a training set that is, that, that, that is usable uh, in that sense. But, but I think the core bit, like the, the, the things that I, I, hundred percent agree with you are get that base layer right and also the fpna for most businesses that is like the most core strategic aid that even a like so if i'm sitting in a business as a cfo if i don't have those sort of numbers in front of me if i don't understand what's happening um you know to my leading with my leading metrics if i'm only looking at like my pnl one month later i'm not adding strategic value because i'm only ever telling you what's already happened rather than what what, what what's going to happen moving forward and i think you know, just around that point off again, you know, I think what, one of the conversations I had with a VC uh, when I was building was, you know, she, she said to me, I don't think it is the people building in the finance stack, building the products with the, the output that are going to be the big players. She she was or, or not that they not, not that they won't be big players, but she her thesis was that where it uh, where there's real value creation going to happen is the people that get uh, the data layer uh, uh, resolved, i.e., cleaning and passing that data in a uniform way, such that I can plug and play that data into absolutely any uh um you know a, 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 any uh, product thereafter and run my own reports etc right uh and i think that's a hard one i don't know what you guys think about that at abacom music to my ears right <laughs> okay, and, and, and let, let me bring across a couple of points but to your latest point we are big believers right we've built a no code edl for finance teams right so this is how big we believe this is critical yeah. when we think and, and we bet on flexibility as one of our key differentiators is not only doing multi-dimensional modeling at performance at speed so you know being able to model with different dimensions and cross them in the right way in an automated way like there is literally you know magic happening in dimensionality 
and it's a tough problem to tackle, but also how do you make sure you empower finance teams to have data clean after the integrations um, consistently? Because you, you know the classic, right? So you have CSV files uh, all, all over the place, you paste them in an Excel, then you do VLOOKUP submits, index margin, and not to clean all that data that takes forever, days, errors, like literally you, we've built an no-code ETL for finance team. So we remove dependencies with data. We, we you know, we crack all these uh, problems. So, and actually you can also code in the platform if you want, but you know, yeah. we want, we've started no-code. And hey, this is a, a relevant differentiator from, from some other players that are expecting that your, your data is just clean out of thin air, right? That's not the reality, the reality we see in our customers. So big believers in the data layer, mm -hmm. and definitely that's important to us. Uh, and, and, add, and adds a lot of value. Uh, that automation adds a lot of value to our customers. Then the other day I was having dinner with a, with a great group of CFOs and, and you know, there is this CFO I respect a lot. And he, he mentioned very simple framework, right? But then when, when he thinks of CFO deck stack, I think it's worth sharing and I'm gonna credit Dave uh, from DemoStack. I think he's, uh, you know, he, he mentioned that. Um, so uh, he thinks of the um, application layer yep. so, and the um, system of record. Uh, the system of record is going to be, yes, your ERP, but also your FPA software, right? So this is where you have your data and this is your single, single source of truth, right? So this is where your data lives. That is very difficult to remove. You, you want to get it right and you want to invest very early. Then he's also thinking of the application layer, for instance, uh, think of spend management. And he thinks, okay, th this is more kind of a utility. Mm -hmm. So it's fine, but you can remove players. You can, you can plug and play, right? Yeah. So, you know, you can place more competitive tension there. You can, you know, you can start with somebody, then you change, then you, you know, get a better pricing. So I think also helps, you know, what's your criteria in evaluating some, some of those two. And I thought, you know, it was an interesting comment from him. I think, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I think, CFOs have lots of ideas <laughs> like about a lot of stuff. Like we all, we all, we all believe that we have the the solution. Um, and and in fact, look, I have very strong opinions about whether any product can really replace Excel. And like you know, a lot of the finance tools that are out there have been, you know, they've certainly been marketed on that basis of like we are, you know, we, we are the Excel replacement. In fact, you know, Airtable I think was essentially launched as a spreadsheet replacement tool. I look at it more as a database than a spreadsheet. And now we've obviously seen like a lot of stuff in the, in, 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 well, you know, certainly if you follow this kind of VC space and, and, and certainly the finance space, you know, they, they've recently shed, I think 25% of their, of their team, sadly, um, as they start now moving towards servicing uh, more enterprise uh, size customers. But my point is, like, I don't think anything can replace Excel, especially at the kind of SME and the mid-market level that, you know, you talked about uh, in the primer. And this, this look, I, I have absolutely no qualms with saying that this is probably because of personal trauma that I've had uh, trying to build in this space myself and, and failing to build in this space myself, right? But I would love to get your take on how you see all of this evolving, right? Because, you, you know, you just talked about no code, possibly coding in platform. Uh, we talked earlier about, you know, potentially bringing that kind of LLM uh, or artificial intelligence into in, in, into play, um, but uh, you know, and and now we're also seeing, obviously, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Microsoft and X, uh, um, uh, integrating Python Python into Excel. Like, how do you see all of this evolving? Like, where do we go? Are we going to end up just back in the spreadsheet, 
and just coding directly there? Like what, what's going to happen, do you think? I, I love this question, right? And I fully agree with you. I, I, I fully agree with you. So Excel is going nowhere, right? So Excel is here to stay. The world is run on Excel, right? And, and now a little bit of Google Sheets as well. So spreadsheets are here to stay. And I think they will always have a very relevant place in any CFO tech stack. So a few considerations there in any, right? So from small to, you know, from SMB and really small companies, but actually to the enterprise level. So as you know, like listed company, massive companies with SAP and all the na 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 na, like they still operate a lot with Excel up and down, you know, and they are ready to take that operational risk because, you know, nothing beats that level of flexibility, of course. Mm -hmm. So. So across the spectrum, Excel will always have a place in your tech stack, in the CFO tech stack. The, the way I think of it is maybe when we build models mm -hmm. as a modeler, and, and I'm a bit, I'm a lover, I'm an Excel lover, right? So I, I spend a lot of time in finance. I used to model and probably I still can model without touching the mouse. So I'm, I'm, I'm that nerd, right? I'm, <laughs> this, I'm nerdy with, you know, with, me, with, with my Excel shortcuts. And, and I respect the, the velocity and the, now we'll talk about the limitations, but um, if you think of your models and the models of a company, um, think of it as if it was a product. Mm -hmm. A part of your product wants to be in production, right? Super robust, ready, scalable. Mm -hmm. A part of your product wants to be in a staging, right? Mm -hmm. So you are there, I'm not sure if it's a testing ground, but almost, right? And then you will also have your MVPs mm -hmm. or your... So the, the way I think of us usually is the parts of your model that you know require multi-dimensional scalability very fast with very high volumes of data, then you know we, we host them in the platform. But we also integrate with the spreadsheets so that any ad hoc analysis, any other calculation you, you really want to do, you can get it done uh, as if it was a staging or, or an MVP, right? And then pull that data back into the platform and, and continue playing. Obviously, it's, it's difficult to build uh, you know, a seamless end to end experience as if you were all the time in Excel and stuff. So obviously that comes with trade-offs, but it's doable, right? And, and we provide that last mile of flexibility to finance things. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. There has been a lot of spreadsheet killers out there, right? A lot. And I think in a way or another, everybody has been pivoting around, oh, we are just a better spreadsheet and we are just a better spreadsheet and the inertia that we see in Excel and Google Sheets, like it's just uh, not surmountable. So, you know, I, I don't think this is the right positioning and definitely this is not what we do. We are not here to replace Excel. We are not here to build Excel. Like we are here to live together with Excel and find, and I, I'll allow finance teams to try to find the best of both worlds. Because of course, Excel as well, with the high volumes of data that we see our customers want to manage, like oftentimes a trigger point for us is finance teams come and say, hey, like my Excel is. It's too slow. Uh, yeah. It's too slow, yeah, yeah. right? Like I've just reached the limits of scalability of my Excel model. Uh, fair enough, right? So the volumes of data handling dimensions in Excel, like, it's not a good experience. No, it's right? not. <laughs> So you, you can you can do some tricks here and there, but it's not the best experience. And the complexity of those models, then when you want to do a scenarios, for instance, as well, like 
models, like in investment banking, those models are very clean. And then, yeah, with, with a toggle, you can uh, turn into scenarios. But, you know, if you go to a proper FP&A operational model, which is obviously way more, it's messier, mm. and because you have all the operational data. Yeah, all the data, then, yeah. Then a scenario is a new version, save us, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why the CEO asks a simple question, and it takes the finance teams, uh, the finance team three days with one night, probably one all nighter, to answer that freaking simple question. They are very smart, right? But they are just ill-equipped to to run those simulations at speed uh, with all the wealth of operational data that they want to be looking at. Um, and then, obviously and, and, of- and on top of that, sorry to interrupt. On top of that, even with all that operational data, even with a, a system maybe like Abacom or, or, or something equivalent, right? Even then they won't get the answer 100% right because that is just not the nature of finance. Finance, I think yes. the, the way I always you know, say to people, the reason I'm in finance is because I'm bad at maths, right? Which is not true. I'm, I'm not bad at maths, but just to make that very clear to everyone. But no, but finance is not about maths, right? I, always, I used to joke that accountants are the only people that can take five and three and, and make that equal minus 10, right? Like, I mean, finance is not about... Uh, uh, making things mathematically add up. It is about finding the best fit and, you know, the, the, the kind of where it sits on a bell curve and what are the what are the probabilities of something happening and what are the likelihoods of, of things moving in a certain direction, right? But to your point, if that even even if it, at that level it's taking you three days to come back with an answer, that's just not acceptable in a fast, you know, when, when things are moving fast, right? Totally. I, you know, I, I only can second what you're saying. I, you know, couldn't agree more. Uh, there is one last piece when I think of Excel, right, and, and spreadsheets. And again, looking back into what's the mission of a finance team, they want to be this, in my mind, driving force in the organization. They want to be propelling performance and driving accountability, right? It's not only, you know, this back office running a lot of numbers and having this perfect model with shortcuts super fast. So, and I'm saying that because I, I was trapped there for a while, right? So uh, obviously earlier in my career, I thought that, you know, technical skills were very relevant. So, you know, obviously all these Excel investments and also some data investments and stuff. And then I took a lot of pride of being very technical, right? Mm. Only to realize that that's fine. Get your technicals right. Learn how to master all that finance, you know, finance basics and modeling basics. But hey, what really, what really drives impact in the company is understanding business it's the insight and yeah yeah the insight and it's and it's understanding business and it's actually mm. being a business partner mm. so it's not you know being this smart chap in the meeting and you know hey you know all my data and i have this insight fine so hopefully you can get there but actually it's understanding very deeply the fundamentals of the business and that means you know your acquisition channel and what works and what works and why that campaign it's not only looking at the data it's actually be that partner for marketing and then ask smart questions it is it's actually building a good relationship if you want things to prosper under your um, domain and and you want to to you need to drive that partnership with them so so i agree with that but excel doesn't really allow you to be this collaborative team that is engaging constantly sharing operational kpis sharing those insights collaborating in the same platform it comes at a very high cost right so you have this massive model in excel and then you have 30 google sheets yeah yeah the 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 problem becomes that you you can't keep up with the operational data like essentially when something changes you have to build a new model it's just very difficult to update like a model that I built in January 
by March is obsolete, is out of date, right? Especially in a business that is moving fast, especially if you're talking about high growth businesses, like the data, the, the, the nature of the data changes and the data itself changes and some of the assumptions around that data changes, right? So if you have to like change, if you have to then change every assumption that you had in a Google Sheet or an Excel, you know, that becomes really, really painful. Um, okay. so I think, yeah, so I, I, I agree. I think, you know, it is, it is learning to live side by side with Excel and with these tools because they are the easiest tools to share with non-financial people. They understand them. They understand what a spreadsheet is. Obviously dashboards are great. You know, if you have an online dashboard in, in the product and so on, but you know, at the end of the day, when people want to do quick and dirty analysis, you do it in Excel, but if you need yeah. to do anything, you know, more complex, you obviously do it elsewhere so i guess and that leads me to my next question right because on, on that note i i i have this question do you do you think we will ever see a universal platform for finance or something at least that sort of approaches that and what do you think the main challenges i, I guess are between building for an sme or a mid-market versus building for something more at enterprise or a large cap kind of business that's a good question and, and strong opinion here i don't think a universal platform is gonna be possible um even for fpna only so yeah. in, in for the rest of the finance needs right yeah. i think no matter how you think of technology evolving in the coming years i don't think that's happening and, and, the, and the main reason why i spoke about it before is that I believe that entropy in finance is huge, right? So that the dispersity of use cases and nuances in the finance function from team to team, from freelancer to freelancer, from banker to banker is huge. And that's something that the more time I spent in finance and with our customers, the more I freaking realize. So I, I knew it was very high only to, you know, say, okay, no, it's actually way higher than I thought. Mm. Uh, so everybody, every single finance professional, every single finance team, within every single finance team, you know, among those, the, people want to model differently. They want to, like the amount of flexibility you need to provide is massive. Only for FP&A, so imagine ERPs and so on. I think in today's world where APIs and native APIs have become the norm, I think it's, you know, make sure as a builder, right? I'm a humble builder, right? So I, I'm trying to make sure we really solve something very well for our ICP mm -hmm. and our ICP needs to be an hour away enough. And, you know, we, it's a journey to find, you know, where you are relevant, right? And we didn't get it right from day one. So, you know, now we know, uh, or at, the, at least are way closer. <laughs> and hey, like we are making sure we can be extremely successful with these customers and make them very happy. Then we need to work on our connectivity with different integrations and actually our connectivity to write back into their systems. Yeah. That matters, right? So we are a system of record for them. We have their operational and critical um, KPIs and financials, and they also want it to be written back in their Snowflake instance, for instance, right? So in this way, I think, you know, advanced CFOs with a technologist mindset can really generate a lot of um, value uh, in their tech stack for the company. I think what's really, you know, interesting there, uh, as you said, it's it's that data ingestion side, right? Which we talked about earlier, you know, you talked about the no-code ETL for finance teams. 
more and more especially in kind of earlier uh, earlier stage business or like you know businesses that get past like a series a series b when they realize that their finance stack just isn't quite working for them they end up building their own right but they're not fight they're not a that the, the engineering team at, nor the business is set up to build a finance product right so you get this kind of frankenstein um product uh that, that often comes out which is very useful possibly internally but like then as things change maybe maybe breaks down a lot but it's that it's that point of you know when people are using their when there is a huge amount of internal data figuring out how best to read read right bin edit like all of those sort of things right you you can't do it uh if you don't have a sophisticated system that understands how those data flows are, are, are working right and i think that like again going back to that earlier point it 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 strikes me as how you deal with a company's data through their own proprietary systems because like you know in a, in a bunch of businesses that i've worked with their data is coming from their back end it's not coming from like it's not being run through anything else it's it's however their, their cdo or their engineer architected or built in the first place and therefore you you know you are dealing with different data in every single business that you go into right there is no there is no universal standard for no. the data in this business versus that business right like and even if you were to look at two businesses in exactly the same space building you know relatively similar products the data that is being ingested in their system or is being output by their systems even for that matter will be different from the data in in in, in the other one right so um so i think one you know to to, to even start approximating towards an, a universal platform you need to solve for like that consistency of data more than anything else right totally and, and even if you are on the spot, right? Even for a niche solution, you also face those problems, yeah. right? When the data on their side is not standardized, like good luck with that, right? So you, yeah. you really need to build, you know, pipes and, and clean that data very thoroughly. So imagine if you want to be universal and then basically you have endless entropy. Like, look, uh, you know, maybe there is one in the future. I think it won't be, there won't be one. Definitely I'm not, you know, we are not going to be building that one. You know, yeah. Well, is... we're not, we're definitely not, I don't, I don't think we're, I don't think we're three, five or 10 years away from it. We may be 20, 30 years away from it, but like, yeah. who, know, who knows what's going to happen before then. Um, just as we wrap up, um, there's been a lot of interest in CF, CFO tech in general. Obviously I'm kind of geeky about this stuff. So yeah. I, I've loved this conversation so far, but there's been a lot of interest in CFO tech from a number of VCs. Certainly when I was um, looking to raise, I was getting lots of like really positive feedback about the interest in the space. And uh, this is going back maybe a year, a uh, year or so ago, but you know, what, Walter Bourne, as an example, launched Bourne Capital to invest, yeah. you know, he's an ex-CFO, to invest uh, exclusively in CFO tech. Why do you think that that is happening right now? What, why is this interest kind of coming up right now? And what do you, what would you maybe do differently if you were, if you were looking to launch Abacom today, would you do something differently or, um, or, or would you build kind of exactly as you have? Yeah, I think CFO tech um, has really become obviously a very hot topic today. And and also uh, FPNA together with it. And, and then I may be more familiar with FPNA, but uh, let, let me reflect a little bit. So there are a few vectors mm -hmm. at play here. Um, one is understanding that finance is the most under leverage function in a company. Uh, finance is a team that is sitting in, in the middle of all the wealth of data. Mm -hmm. 
So they have access and should have access to all the financials and operational KPIs. Finance is one of the only team in the company that does that and actually is connected with all these stakeholders. HR is also that team, but HR does not have access to all the business data, right? So finance has all the data, all the freaking performance data for the business and for financials, is connected with all the stakeholders for the budgeting and reforecasting and all that stuff. And then still, most of their time are spent like a monkey, you know, crunching number, like at least I was that monkey for yeah. long, you know? So, which is, you know, wow, you know, are we really only doing this with finance, right? So I think the potentiality and the reality, you know, that gap was uncovered. I think we also see waves, right? So imagine, maybe you remember, right? When CRMs were spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that, that was the case, right? And Salesforce and, and, and obviously HubSpot and, and many others, Pipedrive, were built out of that opportunity. But hey, the sales teams were managing, uh, you know, the sales process end-to-end. -end. Uh, think of... Um, actually um, BDR software, right? Like SalesLoft or Outreach, right? That also was a spreadsheet. And then, you know, it was automated. Think of another wave, more recent, probably HR. Yeah. Also a back office function like finance that has become more strategic and obviously has become more strategic in part because of talent scarcity. So, you know, that, that gives you more empowerment in an organization and, and the relevance of culture. But at the same time, you know, HRIS, we saw that wave really automating a lot of the manual stuff that finance did. ATS, like hiding software, like Big House yep. and these guys. So we are seeing those waves. And I think the realization has come, okay, like CFO tech, like these guys are really lagging behind and they could really have way more impact in the organization. So I think this is really probably in CFO tech within FP&A. So CFO means many things, right? Yeah. And I think we saw spend management earlier. We saw... You know, accounts payables and accounts receivable you know, that being more front-loaded. I think there is a massive opportunity in the ERP space. Obviously, they are very entrenched, but... I mean, zero, I think, I can't remember when I was looking at the numbers, but I think it's like only 8% of the market, right? <laughs> like, and they're, yeah. they're the most, you know, utilized, certainly amongst uh, startups here, but again, you know, QuickBooks absolutely kind of owns that market otherwise. Um, it, it just means like if, if even, if, and, and I think, you know, from memory zero is like a $60 million business, right? Like if you can, if you can build out even a niche, right? Like, you know, yeah. like if you're just solving for, you know, I don't know, whatever SaaS businesses very specifically and build just the ERP for SaaS businesses, you probably can go, you could probably do very well. Right. And this goes back to this question about universal, universality, universality, Actually, with finance, if you're building for niches, you're probably going to have more success, right? Totally. Totally. I think um, yeah, you, you have in accounting and ERP is a great opportunity, like, you know, some, some dominant companies. But hey, they, it's very improbable what they do today, right? Especially on the net suite and intact space, like definitely. Uh, and then FP&A has become and has consolidated as a very powerful trend, right? Mm -hmm. So I think CFOs today understand that they need level up your game and, and CFO uh, CFOs understand that this is a must-have in their tech stack. So we are definitely seeing that trend. To be honest, that was not the case five years ago, at least for FP&A. So there was a lot of more education that had to be done, right? So people were, you know, yes, like I get it and, and you know, but not so bullish. Now our sales cycles are shortening, um, buyers get it. They understand very well the pain. They have very clear criteria of what they want to accomplish. And it's true that the U.S. was 
and we see the US still more advanced in terms of biomaturity. Mm. But definitely we've seen Europe and, and the UK closing the gap very fast in the last in the last years. So definitely there is a lot of more sophistication and maturity and and, and CFOs and finance teams understand very fast. Yeah, I got my ERP in place. I have like some of that automation. Now it's my time to invest in FPNA and next I will invest in whatever. So they they they, they have put FPNA very clearly in this buying process to 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 generate your your tech stack. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that I, I kind of I would add as well, right? Like to your point around HR tech and and uh <clears throat> excuse me, you know, uh, Salesforce, et cetera, et cetera. If it can be built on a spreadsheet, it can be productized, right? And who uses the most spreadsheets? The finance team. So it kind of makes sense that that you know that you would see this sort of explosion of potential products, right, within that space. But equally, they hold the budgets. They have, you know, control over a lot of spend. To your point, they're growing. Office of the CFO is now becoming like, the, you know, the, 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 the office of data. Uh, central data intelligence maybe is a, is, a, is a way. Maybe that's something I need to coin. Um, but, you know, it becomes, um, it, it, it becomes much more... Uh, well, there's much more opportunity, I guess, to build in this space and, and, and keep kind of essentially automating those spreadsheets that already exist, right? Um, and, and I think finally, maybe just to, to, to wrap up on, on this point as well, is uh, at the end of the day, I think what's happened in the VC space is, to your point, not only have they realized that finance is the most under-leveraged department, it's also the most important department, right? Because if VCs, and we've seen it, have been investing on on slightly nervous numbers you know community adjusted a bit down all these sort of things okay that that's more narrative than anything else but you know when the number you know when we see things like the ftx balance sheet which is just basically a spreadsheet with some numbers thrown at it like you know that there is a problem and you know that actually had there been stronger fin finance operations and controls and cfo and so on so, so forth you probably would have had a better outcome one of the reasons for that is because people in the finance profession right when they when we do these qualifications that we talked about right which you, you do a lot of training in and so on part yeah. of that is uh you know you, you all you have to sign up to a code of ethics right now obviously you're going to have bad players but the majority of finance people have signed up to that code of ethics and they believe in it right and they they produce the numbers that they believe are that they strongly believe are correct not you know they do not try and fudge those numbers for the most part um and I, I think the more you can empower those people to produce great data, great numbers, the more sophistication that they have at their fingertips, the better equipped investors are to also understand the businesses that they're investing in. Yeah. And that just becomes a positive cycle, right? Um, so, yeah, no, I think I think it is an exciting space to be in. It's an exciting time to be in that space. Julio, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the podcast. As I said, I think we're probably going to have to do a separate one about all sorts of other topics. But in the meantime, for our audience, uh, where can they find you online? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Twitter? Uh, where's the best place for them to look for you? Yeah, I'm mostly in LinkedIn. So um, yeah, I'm a big believer in that community. I've learned that finance teams and particularly FBNA teams are very engaged and active in LinkedIn and they want to learn and exchange and, and trade notes. So I've, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn and sharing thoughts and, and you know, my, my opinions only. So uh, looking forward to, to seeing folks out there. This is uh, Julio Martinez, um, CEO at Abacum, and then you'll find me. Okay, amazing. And if if people are looking for Abacum, where can they where can they find uh, Abacum if they want to? This is yeah. Website is www.abacum.io. 
um, and you'll find everything you need there. Amazing. We'll drop links in the show notes. But for the meantime, uh, Julio, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. It's been a privilege. Big fan of you, big, big fan of Nothing Ventured. So thank you so much for having me. No, thank you.